Hey everyone, welcome to episode 45 of the Switch Focus podcast. I'm your host, Andy Corrigan. With me as always are Andrew Brown and Ginny Wu. Uh, we were nearly a man down today, but uh, Andrew will tell you that he just happened to make it back in time for the recording, but I think he just missed us. That's what I'm going with. How have you been this week, guys? Uh, not bad. Uh, busy, busy, but the light at the end of the tunnel um, is is slowly becoming more visible as the days pass. Are you still playing World of Warcraft? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so close to being done, though. Like, I can, I'm can, i almost ready to put it down. I, I know I can do it. I just need to, to find the inner strength to put it down. <laughs> Hi, my name is Andrew, and I play World of Warcraft. <laughs> <laughs> Are you actually still playing it? Heck no. Uh-uh. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I like to do other things. I love World of Warcraft. Uh, the problem is it just doesn't leave any time to do anything, anything else. else. Yeah, yeah. Like There's like eight years of games from like 2004 to 2012 that I didn't play, including Dark Souls and many, many other games because I was too busy playing World of Warcraft to play them. So I'm, I'm perfectly happy to be done with it. Yeah, good. I was just worried because last, last week you were quite adamant you weren't going to play it. And then... and this week it might have been quite the the relapse anyway we've got a a pack show for you this week Uh, we're going to talk some more on Immortal Redneck a bit more on Octopath Traveler the Nindies showcase event that uh, Nintendo UK dropped earlier this week Uh, comics coming to Switch and we're also going to talk about Bad North, Dawn of the Breakers Minute, Flood of Light and Owlboy so let's start with uh, updates from the previous episode. Andrew, you've been playing more Immortal Redneck? Yeah, Immortal Redneck came out early this year, and I haven't really stopped playing it. I've just been very slowly picking at it over the past couple months, and I finally finished it a few days ago. Immortal Redneck, of course, is a roguelite, because, you know, I love my roguelites. I think I'm the only one in the podcast who plays most of them that come out. This is the first one I've actually managed to finish on Switch, which is, you know, always a cool milestone. But I think that's because Immortal Redneck is actually one of the easier roguelites I've ever played. It is a first-person shooter, so that's really cool, and it handles really well. So that's two important things for a first-person shooter, that it's both fun and it handles well, and it nails both of those. And the more you play it, the stronger your character gets. There's really not any luck involved in it. If you play and you earn some gold, you will then use that gold to empower your character. So it's a constant uphill climb, really, but it's not nearly as steep it is as many other roguelites, which is what helped me to get to the end of the third period a couple nights ago, beat that final boss had all the stats capped out pretty much it's i don't want to say this is an easy game but it is easier than many other games like it i have played i I was pretty happy with it Uh, i did get a little frustrated with the level design because it's a first person shooter and all the rooms are set up inside a pyramid Uh, it doesn't actually procedurally generate the architecture of all the rooms it actually just puts together some pre-built rooms in a random order so you start running into duplicate situations almost immediately but somehow it avoided being monotonous because the game just runs so fast and puts so much pressure on you and the many different situations it can throw you in and those rooms did get quite large especially in the third pyramid so that did lead to some frustration and some repetition as I ran through these giant rooms over and over and over again, trying to reach the boss, dying, trying again. But as far as a roguelite on the Switch, you could do much worse. I enjoyed it. Cool. Uh, So if you uh, get stuck in that game, you can just sort of just keep having runs at it and then 
powering up your character to eventually sort of grind to get past that that wall yeah yeah pretty much uh like i had my damage capped before i even started the third pyramid and so after that i was just pumping up my health levels so that way i could take more and more hits and by the time i had it finished i didn't have the health stat capped because my health points were getting quite expensive to invest into but i was pretty much able to take a bunch of hits and it really wouldn't damage me all that much so it it was a matter of getting from a point where I was dealing enough damage to kill things to getting to a point where I could tank things as well. Nice. Okay, yeah, I've been interested in that one since you uh, made the the Doom comparison in terms of the the way the the handling works and how fast paced the combat is. Uh, uh, maybe I'll wait for a sale. Uh, talking of finishing games, I think I'm the first one, but I beat Octopath Traveler on Friday night. Nice. Yeah, you're the first one. <laughs> yep. Took me 110 hours. Sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I could have been a bit smarter with some of my party management, I think, to to sort of bring that playtime down. But I'm, I'm happy with how my strategies worked out on that overall, I think. Uh, enjoyed it a lot, but I still have the same issues with the narrative threads and how isolated they are and how separate the story itself. It's just not as deeper as meaningful as i'd hoped like a couple of them absolutely are but most of them not uh now the travel banter which is something that came up when we first talked about octopath does help a little with the cohesion of you know the characters interacting and you know feeling like they're in this journey together but it also like it's really charming but it also made the dissonance of of them traveling together but all needing to be at like separate ends of the world just made that dissonance a little bit more apparent and there were times in the the plots where i felt like another character could have been brought in to help one of them progress a task so i'm thinking of uh, ophelia in in particular where there was a situation where another character had something she needed to see or know about and i was just sat there thinking this would be a great opportunity for therion to step in and help her out uh but beside that it's a game i i liked a lot but it's not the game that i was really hoping for uh, mechanically is where I found most enjoyment whereas typically in these t- sorts of games I prefer the story but yeah it's just it's really good the combat's really good it's just I just feel they could have tied this these eight plots together a little more uh, and that would have really improved things from an already great game to an even better game but didn't quite enjoy the plots that much in this uh interested to see what you guys think when you you both finish it so yeah we'll come back to that i'm sure Uh, and now it's time to talk about the latest switch news comics are coming to switch in the form of a subscription-based system called inky pen haven't read that much about it so jenny from what you're saying it's gonna have a lot of manga so it's going to have graphic novels manga and also french comics and manhwa so basically, I guess there's going to have a wide variety of, of genres of comics available. And um, it's going to be a subscription-based service for about, I think, US $7.99 or whatever the equivalent is across the rest of the world. It's going to come out in the US, Canada, Europe, Mexico, Russia, Africa, and Australia. And it will be in English to begin with. Um, and apparently it's going to launch on other platforms in the future as well. But if you have a Switch subscription to the service, you can use that across all other platforms. So you won't have to like resubscribe for different platforms. And yeah, it's not going to be like other manhwa services like Legion, which kind of make you pay per episode as well. Like you subscribe and then you pay a premium to get the stuff on time. Apparently it's going to, your sub will cover everything and you'll have access to the comic as soon as it comes out on the actual service. 
It sounds pretty cool. Um, I think they're a, a Swedish company or a company in Norway that's putting it together. It's a company in the EU somewhere. And they're putting it together as their first kind of venture um, on the Switch platform. So it seems exciting. Um, I've watched the trailer for it very briefly. And I'm, we, I mean, we can link to that in the, in the show notes. And it shows a bunch of different kinds of, of comics, like existing Western comics that are already out as being quote-unquote on the service. So I think it should have a good range to draw in different kinds of readers. I'm, I'm pretty pumped. I think the Switch has a great, large, beautiful touchscreen. It makes sense to use it. It's not quite Netflix, but I mean, I'll use it, I think. Do you think you would prefer something like this to, say, Comixology, where you can just pick and choose what you want or just subscribe to the, the one or two series that you enjoy? I, I think so. I mean, because for me, I kind of use services. I used to use services, services like Legion and um, like Lion Manhua Reader and stuff to actually find stuff I wanted to read. So as opposed to really knowing what I want to read, I just kind of browse a bit and be like, oh, that looks pretty cool. And then I start to follow it. Like, And I think for that kind of price, if we're going to have access apparently at launch to over 10,000 different kinds of manga and comics, I think it's I think it's worth it. Or at least I'll try it out for, for the first month and see how I go. But I like having that option and that variety there because if I like most of them, it probably averages out to it being cheaper than me individually subscribing to each one. So Fair enough. Have they said anything about uh, whether any of the big companies are coming to play on this? You know, your Marvels, your DC? That's a good question. Um, I haven't seen anything explicitly saying that Marvel and DC are going to come to play on it, but I think... I'm pretty sure that there was that, that there were some Western names that I recognize already, like the people that do Judge Dread and stuff. They're on there as well. So it's not like, I guess, tiny, insignificant publishers that are on there. I think if we wait and see, we might get some of the bigger stuff on there. I mean, we know how people have dealt with the Switch recently. At first, they were like, oh, it's not going to work out great. But then now devs have a lot more confidence in it. I think if the model takes off, that maybe big publishers will be incentivized to actually come on there but at this point in time nothing yet from marvel or dc yeah my my only thing with this is i'm not sure that the switch is a platform i want to read comics on i know it's a tablet mm. sort of form factor but i have tablets oh to yeah do that yeah if you already so, have a tablet then yeah yeah i mean you'd have the benefit of being able to read them on your tv i guess but mm. would you want to do that i'm not Probably sure not. <laughs> Uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, the Nintendo UK YouTube channel dropped a Nindie Showcase trailer uh, with a bunch of interesting looking games. I'm not sure there was much there that I'm personally that interested in, but we will get into the, the ones that I am for sure very shortly. Uh, so they announced Nightcall for early 2019. It's a taxi driver murder mystery, sort of like a, a noir styled game where you seem to pick your dialogue choices and try and get to the bottom of a mystery. Monster Boy in the Cursed Kingdom is coming November 6th. Now, I believe this series is quite complicated. This has nothing to do with the Monster Boy game that's already on the Switch, does it? There's the Wonder Boy Wonder series. Uh-huh. Yeah, which is Wonder Boy in the Dragon's Trap is based on a game that came out for the Sega SG-100, I think. A really old Sega game. And The Dragon's Trap was a remake of that. Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom is like a spiritual sequel that the company who made that remake has made, which it basically is a Wonder Boy game, but it's not. <laughs> so, uh, But it, it, it looks very similar to Dragon's Trap, so I, I and I really enjoyed the Dragon's Trap. So yeah, it's a big yes for me for this one. Cool. 
Uh, then we've got the Gardens Between, which looks like uh, some sort of time manipulation puzzle game. Uh, Ginny, you said you saw this at PAX last year. Yeah, so um, it's I think it's it's from the Voxel Agents, and um, you basically it's a it is a puzzle game where you guide two friends through a bunch of different islands, and you kind of control time, control different aspects and streams of time that affect different areas and obstacles in front of you and kind of, I guess, use that to make a way through the world. It's got a really, really nice sort of pastel aesthetic style. Kind of reminds me of Yonder in a way, if either of you guys um, have played much of that. So it it looks like a very kind of relaxing puzzle game and I'm all for it. So I'll be getting that for sure. Is it co-op? Because it looked like it's co-op. Um, that's a good question. Um, I played about maybe 10 minutes of it on a demo build, um, single player, but I, I'm sure that it looks like a game that would benefit from co-op. So maybe they're exploring that. I'm not sure. Cool. Uh, then this one, if ever, ever a title had, uh, told you exactly what you needed to know about a game, Streets of <laughs> Streets Rogue. Streets of Rogue. <laughs> uh, so a roguelike Streets of Rage homage, I guess. Uh, Moonlighter, which is a top-down action-adventure game with uh, shop elements. So you're a shopkeeper by day, an adventurer by night. Uh, this sounds like the plot of uh, the Alchemist game that was on Switch not so, too long ago. Uh, one both me and Andrew are looking forward to. This War of Mine, uh, War Set Survival Sim. Uh, it's one that I've been dying to play on other platforms, but I think the Switch is going to be the right place. Yeah, definitely me too. This was one of those games that, you know, the last time the our video games art conversation came up, this was the one that kind of got put front and center along with a couple other games. So I've always wanted to play it. I've just never really owned it on a platform that I cared to play it on. But come November, I'll definitely be talking about this. Yeah, it's been sat on my PS4 for ages and I just haven't found the will to go to it on there yet so uh children of mortar another top-down hack and slash uh everspace stellar edition which is a roguelite space shooter andrew you're interested in this one just based on the trailer yeah it looks really interesting uh because it looked like you're running around in like this demilitarized zone as like a space pirate or some kind of outlaw and you run into these other characters that try to mess with you and things happen i i don't really understand exactly the mechanics of it just that it's a roguelite which i assume means that if your ship gets blown up you have to start a new one but it's been out on other platforms for a while and it's got pretty good reviews so between this and starlink coming out in october i I just guess i'm just (laughs) getting into space sims a little bit yeah i hadn't considered the switch as the place to play space shooters but here we are. Uh, also, we've got Baba is You, which is a weird as hell looking puzzle game uh, using words and word manipulation. Uh, Slay the Spire, which is a deck building RPG battle game. Uh, we think that's going to be a roguelite. It's, we're at a point where we can safely assume that for most indies at the moment. Windjammers is coming to Switch, which is a, a flying disc battle game, which I've only ever seen people talk about. And I've never actually seen until this trailer. <laughs> uh, I believe it's an old game that people liked. Uh, and then Windjammers 2 is coming, uh, which is the Oh, bless. Sequel. Twice as many Windjammers. Yeah. Uh, then the side-scrolling minecraft em up Terraria is coming, uh, which I believe is a bit more action-focused for those who prefer that element of Minecraft. It's more about the adventuring side than the building side. This one I'm definitely interested in, Prison Architect. Uh, it includes all the expansions, has a prisoner escape mode coming later on. There's a story mode. The only thing that's 
preventing me from pulling the trigger on this is the price. It was a little more than I was expecting. Uh, but yeah. I do like the idea of trying to run a a prison. And it's <laughs> going to be... <laughs> All right, Andy, uh, the casserole system, Corrigan. Jesus Christ. <laughs> As we back slowly away from Andy and not take our <laughs> eyes off of him. <laughs> I I don't know. I just, I've been watching videos of this and it looks like a really complex builder slash management game. And I'm just super interested to see how those controls transfer across to the Switch because the only way I've seen it so far is on mouse and keyboard. Uh, so whether it's using a like a you know virtual cursor with, controlled with the analog stick or whether there's any snapping mechanics but yeah it, it looks right up my street and lastly the other game that came out when the trailer was launched was morphe's law which is of course the team-based shooter where you shoot at your enemy and they become larger or do they become smaller I think when you shoot them, where you hit them, their body becomes smaller and yours becomes bigger. So That's like, it. if you get a lot of if you get a lot of headshots, your head gets bigger, and, and like, uh, yeah, and you can't fit through certain certain uh, gaps in the level architecture and things like that. Yeah, so it changes the uh, the strategy that you might have to resort to, and it looks fun but very strange. Uh, and it also includes uh, offline play with bots for oh, antisocials like me. And perhaps Andrew, but he is a multiplayer specialist at the moment. I play solo. It doesn't count. (laughs) (laughs) I don't talk to anybody. (laughs) Uh, And with that, let's uh, talk about what we played this week. Okay, up first, we have uh, Bad North, which I believe you picked instead of Prison Architecture. Uh, is it actually Good North, or are you regretting that decision? Oh, wow. I get complicated feelings about that. I, I do think that I I probably would have been happier if I bought Prison Architect, but that's because I think Prison Architect is just a kind of game that I would enjoy more in spite of its price tag, but it does have a story mode in it. Whereas Bad North... I don't know what I'm working towards. I don't know if there's an ending to this or if it's just a arcade-style kind of survival thing where you see how long you can survive. But Bad North is a real-time strategy game where you take command of your kingdom's armies and you are trying to defend all these little island cities from these marauding bands of Viking pillagers. And you start off with two little squad units and you just kind of direct them around the map and get them to stand in strategic places and just use them to repel these Viking hordes before they can burn down the houses on the individual islands. And if you keep the island, the houses from burning down, then you get gold, which you can use to upgrade your units. I, I enjoyed this game. I think it's a really well-made game. I just had a hard time interacting with it at first because I really feel like this game was made with touchscreens in mind. And since I was... Uh, playing it docked and I was also trying to stream it I couldn't really use the touch screen and it gives you a little tutorial on how to move the units but it doesn't tell you how to use any of the menus which was a big problem because I played for close to an hour without upgrading any of my units because I couldn't find a menu in which to do it finally (laughs) I did find it you have to press down on the the island select screen that'll open up a menu of all of your squads and you can upgrade them and give them items and make them better. You can make some of them archers so they can stand on high ground and shoot enemies as they come in. You can make some of them infantry who are just 
versatile and they also get a plunge attack where they can jump down from cliffs above into enemy units and it's really satisfying when you do it and you can also upgrade them into pikemen who are just like defensive units who work best when you just camp them somewhere and just let enemies walk into them uh and that's really it it's it's a really stripped down strategy game it's described in its actual pitch as minimalist and it looks great it plays great i do think it wants to be played as a tablet game Uh, i don't know if this is actually out on tablets but it feels like it wants to be because it, it doesn't really seem to have an ending i played island after island after island until i finally got overwhelmed and just lost lost all my squads and got a game over and i didn't encounter any bosses i'd encounter any kind of ongoing story when i lost i just had to start over from the beginning of the campaign on the first island i don't know if there's an ending to this thing and that's where my regret kind of comes in because that's just not the kind of game that i really get into i don't i need to feel like i'm working towards something and if what i'm doing is just going for high scores and just playing and playing until i lose then i just i I would rather put my time into something else so i like bad north i think it's a good game i just don't think it's my kind of game yeah the art style is absolutely stunning like i i almost want to buy it just for that alone um yeah really surprised that there's no sort of progression system or at least it doesn't tell you that there's some sort of progression system if i'm earning things if i'm unlocking things if i'm working towards something I have no idea what it is. It's entirely possible that I am because, again, I played for like an hour, couldn't even find the menus to interact with my characters. So those things could be buried in there. Like it, It even tells you when you lose what your stats were, but those stats seem to just disappear when you end your campaign. You either continue one that you have left off on or you just start over from the beginning. If it stores this information anywhere, I have no idea where. Uh, It calls itself a roguelike, but nothing's being saved that I can see. Nothing carries over when I lose, so that's not really a roguelike. It's just a procedurally generated island hopping strategy game. So I don't know. Fair enough. Uh, I took some time out and uh, checked out Minute, which was a impulse purchase, uh, and I'm really happy with that. So I have to precursor this. This is a very short game. It does last (laughs) longer than a minute, though. It's about 90 minutes. I finished it in one sitting. Um, and it sort of builds itself as some sort of black and white Zelda-like, uh, but it's more of a puzzle game. Uh, so the chief mechanic is you you start in your house at the start of every day, and then you have 60 seconds to do whatever you can, and then you die. But certain progress carries over, usually in relation to environmental changes or item collection. So the very first thing you pick up is a, a cursed sword. Uh, and then you'll forever have that sword, and that helps you get a little bit further in in the minute and to the next objective. Uh, there are other houses you can sort of take over, which then expands your reach, so you can get to the next house, die, then you have a minute from the new house to explore further and find something to progress the story, and eventually you sort of tie all your bases together with some sort of shortcut system. I won't go into that because it'd be a spoiler, and. Yeah, I really like the pacing and the energy, and it's super charming. There's a there's a really quirky sense of humor on display, and I can imagine it being a lot of fun for speedrunners. Like I can see people doing this in ridiculous times, but just sort of feeling out the puzzles and and figuring out what you need to do to progress is what I really enjoyed about it. Uh, the art style they they do a lot with very little. It's literally just two-tone or, you know, 
if it's three tone they're using some cool effects to to get that across but you you know what everything is it's not hard to tell what you're doing or or where you are uh, the only thing i will say is that it sort of ends very abruptly i was in the middle of sort of solving a puzzle and suddenly i was in a boss fight and then once that boss fight had ended that was it so there is a, a new game plus mode there's other things to collect there's coins to find there's tentacles to find as part of like a side quest i haven't done any of that because collecting stuff in games isn't really my sort of thing but i can definitely see myself going back and playing this again uh Ginny, i believe you've played this one before yeah so um i kind of picked it up as a way to give me um some therapeutic downtime from playing world of warcraft um, <laughs> And it, I mean, yeah, when I first launched it up, I thought it gave me really, really strong Undertale vibes, just in terms of like, I think that the way that they employ the humor and also the aesthetic, it kind of seems like a little bit absurdist almost, you know, like you, you look completely ridiculous as the main character. I don't even want to get into what the other characters that you find <laughs> look like, you know, it's just, you know, it's a sort of weird reversed, you know, down under world of, of, of animal like humanoids and, and human structures and whatnot. And it's just that kind of absurdist thing I thought was really funny and reminded me so much of Undertale. And um, yeah, I've also finished it as well. I, I do agree with Annie. The ending seemed a bit abrupt. I wasn't actually aware that I was building to that point. Like when you're doing the puzzle, you're like, oh, okay, it's a puzzle. This is kind of getting a little bit more difficult. But then it's not really quite clear to you at that time when you're embarking on it that it's like the very final thing that you're ever going to do like in the game. So yeah, that's probably my only strong criticism. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I, I know that, well, I've heard that you can speed run it in about 20 minutes. I don't know how. Um, I mean, I guess it would take a ton and, and a ton and ton of practice because it took me so long to actually get to come to grips with it. I don't know how Andy felt originally playing the game, but I was really struggling, like just conceptually with it. Like I, I, every time I died, I, because I'm just so used to death being like a bad thing. Every time I died, I would get like inordinately frustrated, and I would like waste a couple of seconds, valuable seconds of my next kind of life. I just guess being frustrated and being mad and not really thinking through the puzzles properly. And it wasn't until I got to probably about maybe the, the second, um, the second or third new home that you get that it, it kind of really, really clicked for me that I, I, I that I kind of stopped seeing death as like a, a stop gap or like a, a break in the flow of the game. And just like a chance to actually like have a quick breather, reset and think about my next move. So once your brain makes that switch, from, you know, death being bad and a game over is bad and, you know, you stop, you not clocking everything at once without having a death is bad, then I think the game flows a lot better. Um, I sure, can't be the only one that feels this way about dying games. But, um, yeah, once your brain makes it switch, it makes sense. And I enjoyed it. It didn't feel like it was pressuring me. Um, once I got over that hurdle of, you know, the whole death thing and the whole 60-second timer, um, I stopped feeling really restricted by the time and started seeing, I guess, the time as like another puzzle element to deal with when thinking about um, what to do in the game. So um, I think it's really fun. I think it will surprise you if you give it a chance. Um, I know the whole, you know, you've got one minute and then the game technically soft resets might put some people off and I was surprised that I enjoyed it as much as I did. So give it a chance, I think. It's it's really cheap on the eShop as well. You know, I think it's worth picking it up and giving it a try. Yeah, I definitely recommend it as a give it a go sort of thing. Um, as to getting frustrated early on, not really, because the second I found the sword and it carried over, I was like, okay, it's a puzzle. I get it. Because I had no 
knowledge of this game before going in. I just knew that it was highly rated. And uh, yeah, just once it clicked over into what it was, uh, that was, yeah, I I loved every second from that moment uh, and just trying to get as much done as I can in that minute. Um, Also, you can commit suicide at any time if you're going to not quite meet what you think your objective is so and it and it does like instant restarts uh, a bit like super meat boy or celeste so it's it's a very quick paced game and just keeps you in the rhythm of of your objective which is really cool uh, and i also think it um fed you breadcrumbs on what you were meant to be doing pretty well with just oh, like yeah. the offhand yeah. comments the character said and mm-hmm. they sort of give you a direction okay uh next up is the flood of light Ginny, you've been playing this one yeah, so it is a 2D puzzler. Um, well, puzzler. Um, <laughs> it, it's not really a puzzler the way that Minute is a puzzler. It kind of reminds me a lot of like a no combat Ori in the Blind Forest. So it, it's really about um, your character. Your main character is, is a human spirit. And what they do is, is in this sort of post-global warming um, dystopia, Basically, the entire world's been flooded and humanity's been wiped out. And so it's just robots left and you're, you manifest as a spirit who is known as the guide. And your job is to light up all these pillars around the world and to figure out what happened to the humans um, and to help the robots and that are currently, I guess, existing in this world. It's a game by a Chinese studio, which is obviously something also that makes me really interested in it. I really like supporting foreign game developers, so I think it's great. But I do have to warn you about the, the localization. It's bad. <laughs> um, you kind of get fed in drips and drabs a story about how the world ended up this way. Like, you know, what you're doing there and what's going on and all the other stuff. But the script is not good. Um, it's just a translation issue, I'm pretty sure. You know, we've got grammar errors, spelling errors, metaphors that don't make any sense. I can kind of i kind of make sense of them as someone that can speak mandarin but if you know most people will not and that's going to be frustrating for some if you if you're really really keen and locked into the whole why the world is the way it is kind of story aspect to it but if you're not then it is it's a really good simple puzzler um i i, I was really quite engaged by it because you kind of go through a a, a variety of environments that kind of mesh and mesh sort of high-tech dystopia with nature that's overtaken the world so I find the aesthetic really really interesting and something that I haven't quite seen yet on the switch in the way that it's been drawn like a very nice hand-drawn painted art style and yeah your job is to find a way to maneuver light um, from one place to another and you do that by maneuvering light through lamps through objects and kind of guiding it through the world and through a different through different sort of I guess focuses for the light so it is like a traditional puzzle game. If you're looking for a puzzle game with story, like I said, the look the localization might well kind of ruin that for you. But it is a very unique game. I've not seen a game on the eShop that looks like it or a game that quite plays like it, um, aesthetic-wise, mechanically as well, and also a game from a Chinese studio that tackles this stuff. So if you want to support it on that basis, you know, I think you should give it a go. It's really nice. It's a very nice, soothing game, you know, kind of mostly piano, soundtrack, stuff like that. Um, not really difficult I, I would say it's kind of like a game that I would play like minute you know like in short bursts I do a puzzle here and there kind of put it down and come back to it and it yeah it's nice it's good to kill time with um, and it kind of gives me hope for other Chinese games in the eShop so yeah if you like a simple puzzler check out Flood of Light cool 
Uh, Andrew, you have also been checking out Dawn of the Breakers. Uh, I'm not sure I know what this is, so interested to hear. This is a free-to-play game on the eShop. I think it's actually been up there for a couple weeks now. I just I didn't get around to playing it until this week. Uh, playing it, it reminded me very strongly of a Super Sentai series, and basically you take control of one of a group of high school students who can turn into these armored warriors that fight monsters in their hometown. Go, go Power <laughs> Rangers! Yeah, basically, yeah, it's a Sentai series. <laughs> uh, the 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 one interesting wrinkle to it is like you, like literally you, as in me or Andy or Ginny, uh, actually falls into the game world as a character with amnesia, you know, snore. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, and the group has to kind of work out what's going on with this mysterious person who's landed in their midst and they have basically no personality. And, you, you know, it, it's got all the anime high school tropes in it every character you already know every character in this story and how <laughs> they work but it's free and there's actually a surprising amount of plot and dialogue in this i i played it for a little while a couple days ago and i actually only played a few actual levels because i was spending so much time watching these characters have conversations with each other i was actually reminded almost of a persona game I was a little surprised by that, uh, but it is still a free-to-play game, so there's a lot of grinding. Uh, it throws a lot of information at you, and there's a lot of things to collect and piece together. Like, uh, you start off with your six like main characters that you can choose to play as one of them, but almost right away, I unlocked a new character, and I could play as that one too. Who this character is, how they figure into the story it doesn't matter it's just another character you can fight as and in one of the levels and the levels are kind of like this side-scrolling brawler it's very button mashy uh it wasn't particularly challenging but i also didn't get very far so maybe that will change but i i, I think if this is the kind of thing that you're into like if you're not like me and you just you see anime tropes and you're instantly turned off I don't know, maybe you might want to check this out, but I, I won't be returning to it. Fair enough. Uh, and the last game that we're going to talk about is one we spoke about before, uh, Owlboy. I've only just got around to, to getting to it. I've been promising it for weeks. Uh, and so far, uh, probably about a third to nearly half of the way in, started it last night, uh, and I love it. Uh, it's striking, beautiful pixel art, uh, wonderful music so basically it focuses on a, a character called otus who's this he's part of a dying race of owl people uh, and he's being trained by like the head owl who just hates him because he's a mute and he can't fly very well and a lot of the characters dislike him for that reason alone and bully him and yep everybody hates otis and then he guided santa's sleigh through the fog uh, and then all the reindeer no, loved him but he <laughs> he uh he does what he thinks is right he he's trying to save this stop this bad thing from happening but every time beyond his control it gets worse and he keeps getting the blame from it for it from his superiors which is is kind of you know 
depressing. But um, initially, there was it seemed to hint that it was going to be some sort of commentary on uh, either depression or self doubt or imposter syndrome, that sort of thing. Um, and you know, after playing Celeste, I was like, oh yeah, I'm so keen for this. But it seems to have dropped that a little. I don't know if that's going to come back into. I think Ginny's finished it. She may, she might be able to say one way or the other. I won't ask her to because I don't want the spoilers. Okay. <laughs> um, but it is. Yeah, I, I feel like it's going to cover come back to that at some point. It is really charming. Um, I want to say that it's what type of game is it? It's not a platformer because. You spend most of your time flying, but there are platform elements. I wouldn't say it's a Metroidvania because it's not a great deal of backtracking, and the the only power ups you get sort of only let you leave the sort of hub world rather than you know all over the map. Um, but it's just sort of like a side scrolling action game, I guess. Uh, I actually think Andrew, out of all three of us, you would be the one that would dig this the most based on what i know of your your preferences it's on my list i'm waiting for a sale yeah so if you yeah when it comes up on a sale i i think you should definitely get it because i think it's right up your alley and yeah and that's it so on to Ginny's favorite portion of the show ready go Okay, that's right. It's time for the Super Smash Brothers Ultimate Predictions. Uh, Andrew, I'm going to let you go first this time. Okay, my prediction is that there will be different rule sets that you can play under that will adapt the way the game played at various points in its history. That way, there can be a wide range of... What's the word I'm looking for here? Player gratification i guess is the <laughs> word i'm trying to go like because you know the big thing with brawl was that people were hacking the wii just so they could make brawl play like melee well that's not going to have to happen here because you can just slip on the melee rule set and you know wave dashing will be back in the game uh but you'd also have modes like that where like you'll have the really floaty physics of 64 and or you can turn on the brawl rules and suddenly characters are tripping again you know that kind of thing but also i think they would also have to be limited in some way especially to just make it make sense with every character uh is if you're like playing with the 64 rule set you could probably only play with the characters that were available in the 64 version of the game but that that's my prediction okay i'm gonna delay Ginny's misery just for a second more <laughs> with my prediction i i think in terms of a multiplayer mode there's going to be like a a boss fight mode where one player plays as the boss character, so uh, Rathalos or Dracula or even Diablo, as I predicted last week, uh, and then while three others locally or seven others online try and take them down. What do you reckon of that one? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we saw that in Left 4 Dead too. Um, can't see why it wouldn't be a, a thing now. Easy enough to do, right? You'd, you'd think so? I mean, multiplayer only takes two weeks to put in, right? <laughs> um, and Ginny, cool. your prediction? Yeah, well, I'm going to stay on brand um, with my predictions. Seeing as how with the recent announcement of Xenoblade Chronicles 2's new DLC and the uh, swimsuit outfits that are now going to be available to all the characters in Xenoblade Chronicles and Andrew's idea of there being different rule sets and different modes, 
Um, I think maybe there should be a beach volleyball minigame mode. I think it's doable. I think there are enough characters in swimsuits already in the on the Brawl roster. And yeah, you know, why not at this point? We're going to have Andy's boss fight, boss rush mode. Why not beach volleyball as well? Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that one. Really? Yeah. She I was, just wants the game to be dead or alive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I, 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 I mean, I was all set to um, criticize you for it, but in my head I could see 2v2... Yeah. So, you know, net, and then you're using the, the powers to hit the ball back and forth. Exactly, yeah. It wouldn't be like, you know, like soft engine type sexy beach volleyball. It'd be like, you know, just using your character skills to bop the ball back and forth, I guess. So, yeah. In swimsuits, if the option is there. You know, for seasonal reasons. Yeah, they should be optional. Yeah, there you go. Because I do not want to see uh, Waluigi in a mankini. <laughs> Oh, you don't? I feel like that is one of the things that I really want to see. <laughs> Wario definitely wears a Speedo. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, folks, what are you playing this coming week? Um, I Battle Chef Brigade Deluxe. Um, that's coming out, isn't it? The updating, the update to the to the game. And obviously Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate. And I'm going to try and make some more headway in Octopath Traveler because I'll be done with WoW. Yay. So we'll see how that goes. It's going to be Battleship Brigade Deluxe for me as well. It's a free patch coming out, I think, Tuesday. Uh, and it adds a new character and more. The thing I'm interested in is it adds a survival mode, which... I. I, I, I don't think they've elaborated on what that means. I assume what that means is you just keep playing successively more difficult cooking competitions until you lose one. I'm definitely going to spend at least one night doing that because I did love Battle Chef Brigade and I've come back to thinking around lately about how much I did love it and I don't think I loved it enough last year as much as it deserved. <laughs> and uh, Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate is also out next week. I'll be playing that. Fair enough. Uh, and I'm going to be going back to Ease 8, which I'm, you know, I'm going to think big. I reckon I can beat that before Tuesday for Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate. Uh, and I'm going to play more Owlboy, but that's probably going to be my weekend game, I think. Just my chill out, enjoy something nice and relaxing. Thanks for listening to this episode of Switch Focus Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us to get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, TuneIn, iTunes, and other podcast services. Be sure to join our Discord server where you can interact in the lively Switch Focus community. Links are in the show notes. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at switchfocuspodcast.com for updates, news, and other content. If you'd like to support the show, you can buy us a coffee, where details are on our website. Thanks in advance. You can follow us individually. Andy is at Flame Roast Toast, Ginny is at Ginny Woes, and I am at Play Critically and streaming at twitch.tv slash playcritically.
Is it really episode 45? That I know, crazy, It feels isn't like it? it's one... I feel like we're one earlier, but... Yeah. Cool. Okay, so let's start with episode... Uh, start with episodes. <laughs> I am on fire today. 